Monday nights of the WGC match play. I guess it's the last match play that we're ever going to have, um, uh, at least in the, the World Golf Championships. Uh, we'll preview that. It's a fun, different week. We're going to talk about the Valspar um, and uh, Taylor Moore winning his first event and a pretty good last nine holes between four different players. Uh, might even do a little bit of the golf ball rollback uh, discussion, uh, some news that came out last week. So we'll get to all that. First, let me introduce uh, the panel tonight. Um, uh, I, I Before we went live, I said it's like it's like my son coming home, and I haven't seen him in months. It's Zach Fitzgerald. He's back on the Golf Podcast. Welcome back, Zach. Thank you. It's uh, good to be back. Uh, as you can see behind me, it is bright enough outside for me to be awake. So uh, we're going to give this a go, and I'm looking forward to being back after on the Golf Pod probably first time in like three months. Actually, I think it's I think it's the first time since the City Pod. Oh wow, it's been a long oh. time. That yeah. that's pretty close to the last time I swung a golf club too. So we're yeah. we're yeah, yeah. You've, going you've, rusty you've, in both. You've obviously been on for for some football stuff, and then and that was that was spectacular. Which, by the way, we we diagnosed that Super Bowl pretty much to a T, um, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Um, also here, Johnny Strauser. Johnny, happy Monday night to you. Happy Monday night. Happy day after the first and second round of the NCAA basketball tournament. Uh-huh. Easily. And, and we could get in this discussion of, of what's <laughs> what, like what's better, four days, watch four days of the Masters or the NCAA basketball tournament. I think it's the Masters, but the basketball tournament is, uh, um, you know, is probably a very, very close second. But, you know, one of the things, though, and you being an Indiana native here, um, you know, we've talked about like teams that we don't like in the Big Ten and everything. And I, I don't really. I mean, you know, Michigan State fan, and there, there's some teams that I don't like. But how freaking funny is it to see Purdue lay that absolute egg against that little tiny team um, from Fairleigh Dickinson there? And like, I was thinking about it. You know, I think the first Big Ten team I really, really hated was the Thad Mata. Ohio State Buckeyes just Thad just had just that punchable face and you know you just you know didn't like him or like that and then he moved on to Wisconsin with Bo Ryan and Bo Ryan just he was the king of that but is is Matt Painter just that dude now I mean don't you think I'm I'm gonna surprise you I actually don't have a problem with Painter that much like I, I I have a like a pantheon of Big Ten coaches that I've hated over the years, and you you mentioned two of them. Bo Ryan was probably king. Um, right now, it's Brad Underwood for Illinois. Oh. Um, um, and, and actually, is Izzo's on my list too because that fucker bitches about everything when things aren't going his way. But I actually don't have a problem with Painter. I just, I just, I kind of feel. <laughs> I mean, listen. I I I dug into it a little bit on Saturday because I had some time. I, I really think it was the biggest upset in college basketball history. I really, really do. We're talking about a team that really shouldn't have been in the tournament. They got in yeah. because of a technicality and they were outside the top 300 in a myriad of rankings. Their best win was over some school that was ranked 295 in Ken Palm. I mean, there's just no 
earthly way, smallest semen division one. There's just no way that should ever happen. And I, I just, I just, it was one of the best days of my life. I said maybe like sixth or seventh best day of my life. <laughs> I, I, at that point, I didn't even care about the fate of IU. I, of course, I wanted them to win, but I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> I don't know, but that, that's coming from a Purdue hater. So I don't have a problem with Painter. I hate Purdue as a whole. Um, I don't know. Zach, you have thoughts on what happened? Uh, I just think that it shows that really college basketball is watered down with the one and done and the transfers and everything. Uh, you know, gone are the days of, of the early 90s Duke or, you know, your good teams that mesh together. Uh, Kentucky, who gets, you know, fantastic recruits year after year after year, was a six seed, I believe, this year. And, mm-hmm. you know, it gets harder and harder probably every year to, to create chemistry. And I just think that college basketball is nothing compared to what it used to be. I don't watch a whole lot of college basketball. Uh, you guys are significantly more knowledgeable, but what I have watched in this, they just don't seem anywhere near as good as, as what the teams were when I was younger. That also could be just because I was younger and I idolized them. I don't really know. Yeah. I don't think there was any, I don't think there's any great teams this year. That's why, you know, the past couple of years, you know, we've had a lot of upsets here and there, but there was no great teams this year. There was just some good teams and it's just whoever had, you know, you just had to look at it and traditionally teams with good guard play uh, end up winning in the tournament. And even if you were a mid-major, if you had a good guard or two, you were, uh, you know, you were good chance that you were advancing, but pretty crazy to see some of these, these upsets still, I mean, you still don't expect it. But uh, to see the the Cinderella small schools, um, you know, make runs in the tournament is is always, I think, always pretty fun to me. You know, you look at Princeton, you look at Fairleigh Dickinson, you know, teams like that. It's, it's pretty remarkable stuff that you don't hear about them all year, and then they they upset these giants. Yeah, I, I like I like uh, UConn where they're sitting. I like their team. And I like uh, Creighton actually. I, I think they they should get to the Elite Eight pretty easily and probably face. I would think Alabama, but they got a tough matchup as well. Yeah, it's it's one of those wonky tournaments where any feels like anything can happen. A lot of crazy things have already happened. But I agree. The, these first four days, it was it was just nonstop insanity from the time it started to the time the games finished at one a.m. Um, each of the first four days, so it was fantastic. Um, Going forward here, Taylor Moore wins his first PJ Tour event and 40-something starts, um, winning the Valspar yesterday, uh, mm-hmm. defeating the likes of Adam Shank, Purdue grad. Um, another another tough day for Purdue there. Uh, Jordan Spieth and Tommy Fleetwood. And one of those back nines where, for a while, you, you weren't sure who was going to win. And... I have always enjoyed this tournament. I've enjoyed this golf course. Uh, it's challenging. The, the, the greens usually get kind of firm, baked out on Sunday. It's just a tough tree lines, non-traditional Florida course. Um, and scoring's tough. And I thought it was it's just it was really, really good theater yesterday. And Taylor Moore, the guy that kind of was out in front, posted a score. Sometimes that doesn't usually lately that doesn't work out where don't see a lot of guys posting where it actually holds up, but he posts a score early, doesn't have a ton of pressure, and everyone else folds behind him. Zach, did you catch any of it? Uh, very little. Um, I had birthday parties all weekend. Uh, I will tell you, though, that I was rooting for Adam Shank. I 
would have loved to have seen Adam Shank win his first PGA tournament. I just think that uh, a person from Indiana that at one point I would see the scores in an amateur tournament or the amateur tournaments throughout Indiana, that it would be cool to see somebody like that win. Um, yeah, to me, obviously, it seemed like the the winner, and I, I honestly can't even remember his name right now, but the winner played extremely well, and everybody else kind of faltered along the back nine. I kind of looked at some of the scores um, a little bit before we came on here, and to me, you know, Shank made, made a, a bogey on the last hole. Um, it looked like Spieth made a couple bogeys on the back nine, so, you know, to, I didn't get to watch it, but it looked like at one point, everybody was kind of sitting there at 10 and, and could have run away with it. So I was rooting for Shank or or potentially Fleetwood. I, I would like to see Fleetwood win a tournament. So I, I, w- I want to get to Speed and Fleetwood, but uh, Johnny, Adam Shank pretty much leads the tournament from Friday on. Um, has some moments in the front nine where he gets behind, but makes a bomb. I mean, absolutely like 75 footer on 12 to get the lead back. And it kind of feels like it's coming down the stretch where it's his tournament. Um, gets to 18, hits his drive up against a damn tree. And on the 72nd hole tie for the lead, he has to hit a shot left-handed. I mean, how hard is golf, number one? And how hard is it to win on the PGA Tour when you have to do that in the last hole? And he did it pretty well, actually, to get a, to get in a position to make part. That was just, you know, it was such a good back nine, first of all. I mean, you had, well, really, the, all four of the, the, the top four guys had a chance at winning it, um, you know, at any point in that back nine there. But, um, yeah, you had uh, Adam Shank, who seemed to be finally that steady, uh, you know, basically 72 holes that he was going to put together there. And you thought that he'd somehow figure out a way to get it to 10 or 11 under um, and end up winning that event um, outright there. But Taylor Moore was just real solid. He hit some fantastic iron shots down the stretch, um, giving himself some birdie opportunities and, uh, um, you know, really took advantage of, of playing, I think, ahead of the the pressure there. And I think that's a, that's a huge thing. And it always has been, but I mean, I think for a guy, you know, with his, his experience there on, on the PJ tour to, to get, um, you know, 40 minutes ahead of the, the final group there and able to post that number there. But yeah, Adam shake, Tough break there. He he was. It looked like he had his. Uh, you know, was in firm control for a little while. Before that, Jordan Spieth looked like he was in firm control for a while, and then rinsed it on the uh, off his tee shot on the par five there, and made bogey, and then missed another putt. And it, you know, it was just kind of this. Everybody felt like it was you know like a just like a horse race where everybody's just you know you got the top guys that are just inching forward, get first, fall back, you know, and everything, and. Uh, um, I thought the, the 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 event itself was great because, like I said, it, it provided that that excitement down the stretch between you had a superstar in in Jordan Spieth, you had Tommy Fleetwood who had a lot on the line. I think you know as a uh, guy who's never won here on the PGA Tour, and then and then you know the other two that uh, were trying to make a name for themselves and and get that uh, that first tour win. But uh, you know, all in all, it was a it was a great event, um, and I just you know as hard as that golf course was. It was just the advantage of, of Taylor Moore there to get in at his number there. And, uh, um, you know, with that, that, that tough finish, the guys just couldn't make the enough birdies and, and, and avoid bogey and, and at least get into a playoff. Mr. Spieth. Um, <laughs> I, God, he's 
he is such a roller coaster. It's almost incomprehensible what he does from week to week, and it's never boring. It actually was boring pretty much most of the round on Sunday, where I'm like, this is this is speed to take. I think he was bogey free through 14, actually, well, 15 holes, um, but he makes birdie on 14 to tie the lead, and you're kind of like, okay. Uh, we're, we're, we're good shape here. I think he parts 15 to par three. And, and like you mentioned, just absolutely dumps it in the middle of the lake on 16. And then it goes on to make the most unbelievable bogey to stay in it. Uh, I think a 15 footer for bogey stiffs it on 17 to about six feet, <laughs> misses that. And then, and then on 18 um, hits in the rough and never really gives himself a good chance to tie. And then he ends up missing a, a three or four footer for what, a quarter grand or a quarter million. Um, I mean, it's so speedy in, in, in so many ways. Um, I, you know, Zach, I was thinking about speed last night, he, 2015, 16, 17. He would just close these kind of things out uh, routinely, um, even up to the 2017 Open. I, I know he won once in 21, the Texas Open, won last year in 22, the Heritage. But all in all, I just don't – I don't have faith and speed in any way whatsoever to close out tournaments on the back nine. Um, we saw him a couple weeks ago at the Arnold Palmer have a really, really good chance and miss every six footer coming down the stretch. And then uh, yesterday lets a couple things get away from him. Where's, where do you stand on speed? Obviously playing really good golf as a whole, but as actually, is he a threat to win tournaments? Um, most specifically the one in a couple weeks, the masters. Not if he doesn't make putts. I mean, the reason he won all those tournaments back in the day was putting when he was the best putter at that moment in time and, and made, I think, what was the stat? He made the most from like 25 foot or so, which, which he seemed to always make, you know, one or two of those around and, and these big fist pumping birdies that he made, but he just doesn't make those anymore. I just heard you say, didn't watch the tournament, but I just heard just like four putts on the back nine that he missed either you know, within six foot for par or, or birdie. And you're not going to win the masters doing that. I mean, those greens are not as difficult as Augusta's. So, uh, I mean, he's always a threat at Augusta if he makes putts, but you know, can he get, get his putter in tune and and really it only takes one putt falling in. And, And if he feels comfortable at Augusta, then certainly he could win. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about some guys today in the match play that I wouldn't dream of betting in a stroke play event, but in a match play event, you know, they may just have a chance on a shorter course. So, yeah, uh, maybe not not today do I have confidence in him. But, you know, if he comes out the first round of the Masters and he putts well and he looks in control, then I'm going to start feeling more confident about him the rest of the week. Johnny, put the put the period on speed here. Um, I, I did think yesterday he makes the – he makes the easy look incredibly difficult and the incredibly difficult look easy. And I think he did that a couple times yesterday. I, I think that's just him. That's his entire golfing career. Like I've, I've heard that that's how he played when he was at Texas. That's how he played, you know, in junior golf. And he just, he can do so much, but he could just do so much that just makes you want to pull your hair out. Um, it, it's going to be harder for him to win more consistently because, through over the course of 72 holes i mean that's that's a lot of mistakes that can happen and and he's gonna have to counteract that with you know with elite play um you know more birdies more more eagles more you know and and try to make these doubles 
and, and turn these into, into bogeys and everything. And that's, that's just not, not necessarily how he rolls now. Like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in a couple weeks. Um, you know, when we do our master's pod, but yeah, of course like that, I, I think he's a contender every single year, uh, no matter how he's playing. Cause you know, Augusta is that type of golf course that if you see it well, you play it well, you know, you're going to be a contender year after year after year, but it's just so hard to trust him though. Like, like one of our, our favorite guys to talk about, um, you know, Max Homa, think about him. That guy is as steady as can be coming down the back stretch of a, of a tournament now. Now, you know, we, he's a guy that I, I feel we can fully trust to, to close an event out. Um, Jordan is the opposite. Now, Jordan, you know, you got to live with the highs and the lows, but you know, it's just, that's just what this guy is going to be. And, and his, you know, stellar years that he had a few years back when, you know, you know, when he won all those majors and won the, the tour championship, um, you know, he played that same way, but, but as Zach said, a lot of it was, he was making every single putt that he looked at. So, you know, if, if he doesn't quite have that, it's, it's going to be a struggle because you're going to get these speed golf shots where he's just going to hit it in the middle of the lake, or he's going to pull it in the trees or, He's going to short side himself and it's just going to be, uh, it's just going to be a wild ride. And that's just what you got to accept if you root for him. Fascinating to watch him in a couple of weeks. Um, I jokingly always say he's won like three masters, right? Because it feels like that <laughs> for four or five years in a row, he was in the final two groups and, um, it's a crime that he only has won one time. Um, my only other thoughts from Valspar was, uh, Zach, I, I proclaimed on Friday to Johnny that Tommy Fleetwood was going to win this tournament. I bet on Tommy Fleetwood. I just had an epiphany. He was going to win this tournament. And I, I really felt pretty good actually making the turn. He bogeys, the difference is he bogeys the 14th, the par five from the middle of fairway. Um, and everyone else made birdie on it and he lost by two. And, uh, Tommy Fleetwood is, he is Tony Finau. Um, he is the European Tony Finau, and uh, he's going to have to do something to shake that label uh, at some point. Um, Johnny, any other thoughts on the Valspar? I'll, I'll, I'll forego Zach since he didn't see much of it. Uh, no, no. Let's move on to <laughs> move on to the good stuff here. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna read a couple of pieces here, and then I'm, I'm gonna move on to your guys' thoughts. Um, a golf ball rollback. It's coming. It's it's happening. Um, last Tuesday, the USGA and the RNA uh, released a statement. Um, basically, that would modify the testing conditions for golf balls used in elite competition um, via a local rule by January 2026, a move that would reduce um, distances of the game's highest levels. Um, uh, basically... I'm going to cut down to the bottom here. These changes would reduce the average driving distance of elite players by about 15 yards. Um, uh, Mike Wan, CEO of the USGA, has talked about consistently how distances have increased the last 20 years as far as, um, you know, compared to 2000 till now, yardage of, of, of the average yards of drives have increased. Um, Thus, initiating this change, there's been a million different studies on this kind of thing. Um, this only applies to the USGA and RNA. Um, other organizations like the PGA Tour, PGA of America, Augusta, um, they'll have the option to propose this implementation for their competitions. Um, 
there's a lot of layers to unpack here. Um, I guess I'll start with Zach. Zach, um, I have no idea your stance on this, and I'm very interested to hear your thoughts. Is this good or bad for the game at the, at the very highest level? Is it necessary? Is distance a problem? Uh, give me your thoughts. I think it is a very, very difficult question to answer personally. Um, personally, for me, I think they hit the ball too far. And the only reason that I say that is because there's only so much room to make the golf courses longer. If we could make professional, like if we just started building what would be considered a professional golf course, allow them to continue to hit it farther, continue building them longer and farther, that would be fine. But I don't think we can do that. Eventually it's going to get to the point where we're literally playing, just hammer the ball and hit 60 degree wedge into the green. And to me, you can say that that is skill. And yeah, it's skill to hit it that far straight, but I would find it more enjoyable to see somebody hitting every club in their bag. So I think from that perspective, it, it is a good thing. I think that it can bring a little bit more in, but you know, all those long hitters, you know, it's not just going to affect them. So the guy that only hits at 285 now, does he only hit at 265? And then does that completely take him out of being able to play at all? Um, you know, and then at the same time, you know, you got all these kids that are coming up and, you know, we're trying to grow the game. We're trying not to let golf die. And, you know, all these kids coming up, they're being taught to hammer the ball and that's what they like to do. They like to hammer the ball, hit it really, really far. And, you know, now at the top level, they're being told, well, we're going to restrict what you, you've been working on for the last, you know, five years with the Bryson revolution. And, you know, the fact that Rory hits the ball a long way. When all that work that you put in to hit the ball farther, well, you know, when you get to that level, now we're just going to take that away from you. So does that mean that they go from college where they hit it 330 and then it takes them down to 315 and then they have to learn the game and all their clubs and distances again? The minute that they go pro, where's the level? I just think that there's a lot more to it than, oh my, they hit it 15 yards shorter now. That's great. I, I just think that there's way more to think about. 15 yards is not enough of a difference for me to to make everybody mad and potentially be a detriment to the long-term growth of the game. That is going to distance, whether I like it, which I personally don't, or not. It is. And that's just the facts. Johnny, the, the, this, the, the distance boom can be attributed to a lot of things. I mean, the equipment itself, uh, uh, you know, driver club heads are just massive. Um, you know, we see all the forgiveness, tailor-made um, commercials. We're like, it's kind of proven the point. Like, Scotty Scheffler can miss hit it and still hit it 305. Um, you know, athleticism in um, guys now, just their physical fitness is, is at the highest level. Um uh, technology track man being able to kind of identify where your weaknesses are increase swing speeds i just saw something with speeds where he's gradually increased his swing speed last five years um so it's not just the golf ball but it feels like the golf ball rollback is is maybe the easiest solution to what is a perceived issue yeah the 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 ball itself that would that would create or that would solve a lot of the distance uh, the, the distance gains that they get. I mean, yes, yes, with uh, everything that you mentioned, and most notably the drivers and the golf shafts, um, 
you know, that, uh, uh, that definitely assists as well, but, but yeah, the golf ball would be the, the most simple way to, to govern it and everything. And I, I hadn't really gone through all of this in my head. I mean, I've, I've, I've researched it, read some articles, so I'm not sure how this is totally going to come out here. Um, but I, I think we're at the point where we've got, we as in golf, just golf has got to look at, we're at a point where we've got to limit further advancements in golf equipment because of like what Zach said, making some of these golf courses obsolete. Like, you know, last summer you, you played the, uh, the Pete Dye course over at the, down at French Lick. That one tips out from the very back tees is like 8,200 yards. Um, 20, 25 years ago when I was younger getting, uh, you know, in high school and everything, if you played a golf course that was 7,000 yards, that was big. That was a big boy track. Nowadays, you got to make it 7,500, 7,600 yards just to make it, you know, uh, something like that. So, yeah, I do think the ball goes a little bit too far. Now, I don't, I'm not one of those people who like says, well, back in, back when I was in grade school or in high school, you know, that wasn't a foul in the NBA, you know, all that other, you know, bullshit that we hear from, from boomers and whatnot. But um, there's got to be, there's got to be a limitation somehow the problem i've got with it is the bifurcation of it where i can't or i have access to any type of golf ball you know there's a certain set of rules for my amateur play for playing with you know a a four ball with my buddies you know stuff like that i'm playing a different ball i think something that just the average golfer loves is that we can have basically the same equipment as the pros and we can go out there and play a golf course like the pros do, whether it's an easy golf course, whether it's a hard golf course, whether it's good, and we can compare our scores to what they shoot. And if they institute this and ha- they have them have a reduced flight golf ball, while I'm sitting here playing my, you know, the, the, the ones I've been playing for the last several years it feels kind of like a feels dirty, you know. I mean, I'm sure their scores will go down, you know, uh, go down in relation to par a little bit, and mine will, you know, creep closer and closer. But you know, I don't want to say I don't want my I don't want them to be handicapped and and me to say, well, you know what, we shot kind of a close score. He shot 68, I shot 70, but he was playing a reduced flight ball, and this could be, you know, and and I think that's what uh, a fun thing is that we can do use the same type of, of equipment as the pros. And that's, that's a big deal for, for Titleist, for Callaway, for Bridgestone, for all those is they can market one ball that they play that Tiger Woods plays that Roy McElroy plays that you can go to your local golf store and, and buy yourself. So um, I don't like, I actually, I hate that part of it. I absolutely despise it. And it just, it makes me sick to my stomach almost to think about how they might change the equipment from top level professional golf to mid-level amateur golf that we play. But I think there needs to be things that they look at with the ball. You know, Jack Nicholas has said they got to reduce the, the, the flight of the ball. Tiger Woods has said it. There's been a lot of guys who, who, who've said that and they under, you know, they understand that Fred Ridley, it it takes away. Yeah. It takes away the, the, the shot making and all that stuff. But 
I think they're just them jumping in there and and then forcing the, cl- the the golf ball companies to come up with two different types of golf balls for amateurs for pros, and and also the game of golf is hard enough as it is. I, I know I know guys can go out to the Rocket Mortgage Classic and shoot you know twenty seven under par. You know what? One guy shoots twenty seven under par. It's not like it's this is just like a thing. I mean, there's ways to make the golf courses harder with, with rough, with the firmness of the fairways and the greens and all that other stuff. So there, I don't like it, but I don't like it for those reasons. And I think that they've got to, I think they, they've got, they can do it, but they've got to, they got to make a whole bunch of other changes in my opinion. I think I'm, I'm more okay with it than you guys are. Um, I I think largely the PGA Tour has become uh, just driver wedge fest. Um, I, I guess from a, from a watchability and what what do I want to see from my best player standpoint? This is this is how I'm forming my opinion, and it's it's definitely a half baked opinion. And I think you guys made some really good points, but you know, if you watch even the tournament yesterday, mostly. You know, any any par four that's under 450 yards, it's, it's just a driver wedge for these guys, and that's largely most of the courses on the PGA Tour. And to me, i i want I want to see I want to see Scotty Scheffler and Rory and these guys. I want to see them hit five and six irons. And you know, I feel like you know Justin Thomas went on this rant the other day and his presser, and I think we all love JT, but he I I don't know if I agree with all of his opinions. Um, I, I think this kind of thing is beneficial for the better players. I mean, is it's like me out there hitting um, a five iron from 190 yards, 195 yards compared to Johnny Strouser. Johnny Strouser is a better player. He's gonna he's gonna separate himself from me um, hitting five irons. And I think this it's the same case for for tour guys. I would think that the better players that this is actually gonna separate them um, from the mid level, lower level guys. Um, where I think wedge just kind of it kind of makes the field a little bit more uh, yeah when it's a when it's a wedge fest it makes it a little more level playing field, um, I, but I I do I think a bigger problem is 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 the drivers I, I really do but I think this is easier to um, change or mess with than you know do we do we mess with driver all the way down to wedge I mean that just seems like it's a little bit more of an incomprehensible change, um, but. I so yeah I I'm kind of on the side where I I don't mind it it's 15 20 yards um you know and if you even go from like a place to like Torrey Pines where the balls it's kind of denser air compared to a place like Scottsdale you probably you know TPC Scottsdale where the where the Phoenix Open is they're probably hitting it 15 yards farther there anyway um so those are just some of my initial thoughts on it um Again, it's ha- very half baked, and, and and there's so many layers to this, guys. And there's so many, so much literature out there that I, I can't say I'm I'm fully, fully informed on it. Yeah, and you know what, the the Justin Thomas going off on it—that was the weirdest thing. He is like, I'm not saying Tiger reincarnated, but his game resembles that type of thing. It, and Tiger was his was his best with you know the lower technology and everything working iron shots hitting good long irons and and for him to go nuts on that was was kind of shocking because didn't he win a playoff event i think it was at medina and um you know he was talking about he goes you could make the golf course eight or nine thousand yards we'll still be able to hit long irons if i was justin thomas i'd be wanting to hit four and five irons 
yeah. into every every par four while these guys were hitting three irons and hybrids and and, and even four irons there and, and and they're not as good as long iron players so i thought that was a little unfounded and and yeah as for the pga tour i don't i don't mind that i just like i said the i'm talking about as a whole from from where the level we play versus versus them it's kind of weird but uh yeah you're i think you're right though i mean you know if you if you're hitting five irons instead of wedges into uh in into holes it's gonna you know the the better iron players the better golfers are gonna end up you know being more successful i just don't um, see why you can't design golf courses to have tighter fairways and thicker rough i mean we see it in the u.s open where when a guy gets into a thick spot he can be 60 yards off the green he has to hack it out you know yep. you firm up the, the greens yep. a little bit you, you make the rough thicker and then it starts making guys think about, well, shit, what's better, hitting a 150-yard shot from deep rough or 175-yard shot from the fairway? And then maybe my, they start hitting hybrids and, and three woods off the tee. My only I argument mean, to that, Zach, and sorry to cut you off, but is, the, is mm-hmm. the 2019 PGA and the 2020 US Open. I mean, that that's what those setups were, Beth Page and Wingfoot and the field, the, 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 the guys that could actually win those tournaments were – a field of like eight. Um, and it was, it was the Bryson's at the time, Brooks and DJ. I mean, it, it just, it, it was, everyone was hitting in the rough. So of course the guys that were hitting it that much farther just had that much of an advantage and Bryson took it apart. So that'd be my only argument with, with rough setup and, and things like that. Fair enough. Um, the, we still got three years though, guys, and there's going to be a lot of shit that's going to happen from now until then. Um, and the other dynamic is this is, we're talking about the majors, you know, um, the USGA and the RNA. Yeah. Um, I mean, this could be where they're, they're playing the PJ tour with the same golf ball. And then they got to go to the masters of the U S open and adjust to this re- reduced flight golf ball. I mean, it could, it could be kind of insane. Could you imagine, could you imagine if the PGA tour were to not adopt it? So yeah, they're playing whatever's available and then they got to switch to, you know, instead of carrying at 300, you know, it's 20% less. So it's like a 240 carry at, at that. I mean, that's jarring. I lost yeah. a couple yards last year. Uh, off my driver my carry it wasn't much it was just a few yards or whatever and that was that that mentally that 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 hurt that spring so i Why not have the masters it. make a tournament ball where everybody plays the same ball they they've make talked a about that ball that was brought so, up i mean i don't like if we're gonna go to these distances why don't we make it stock as can be i mean obviously that's terrible for the companies that sponsor them but i mean if we want a truly perfect field where it's just skill based and it's not you know where where we have some of the formula one aspect of things where you know one company may make a ball that is you know exponentially better than another company mm-hmm. and then the other company catches up the next year but for that year their player wins everything you know i mean mm-hmm. you can make the same ball i'm not i don't think that'll ever happen i mean we're still talking about money here and really that's what's going to drive everything so more than likely, this is going to stall, not actually happen, and this will just be a conversation to look back in three years and go, man, can you believe that we actually thought that shit was really going to happen? Could be. It could, it could truly, I, met, I mentioned a half-baked opinion. This may be a half-baked idea um, mm-hmm. with the governing bodies. Um, and 
Man, I was I was thinking this too when I was t- thinking about this today. There's, there's just so many different bodies involved in the game of golf. You know, mentioned the USGA and RNA and PGA America, PGA Tour, and it's just the Masters has their own thing. I mean, it's just a lot. It's a lot going on. If if someone if aliens came and were like, tell us about golf, we'd be like, well, there's there's the PGA of America, and then they run the PGA Championship, but that's not the PGA Tour. Um, and then there's this other thing, the USGA, and they just they control the US Open and and the USAM. But then there's the RNA. And they'd be like, "What the fuck's going on? Like, why can't so you now, just have?" <laughs> now, what happens when the PGA Tour adopts this ball and Live doesn't? And Justin Thomas is like, "Well, shit, I guess I can go use my own ball over on Live." Ah, well, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, do we have new ripples to this? This whole situation? I don't know. It's it's a very interesting. We're talking about divisiveness in golf. I think this could divide golf into a, I don't know. Throwing the live curveball in. I didn't, I didn't account for that one. I was not, never I hoping we weren't going to talk about that. You just I, wasn't, never know. I wasn't even going to bring up lips tonight and the fact that. Well, it's the first time I've been on since it's really been a thing. And, that's true. and I will tell you the one thing that, that I will say about it is I don't really watch a whole lot of golf. Uh, either way, I've watched both a, a little bit. But it has watered golf down as a whole when it comes to a product. The PGA Tour is a watered-down product compared to what it used to be. Live is a watered-down product compared to what the PGA Tour used to be. And although I don't agree with you guys that Live is a terrible thing, I will say that it definitely has taken the um, – but still can't really tell people what they should do with their lives. I mean, you you offer me that amount of money, and, and I'm probably taking it because you just never know. I mean, you never know. Truthfully, Rory could tear his back tomorrow and never be able to play again. And and if your kids are what's important to you or your financial stability is what's important to you, then, yeah, legacy is great, but legacy does not buy things that inflation caused to cost more. You know, and Zach, I mean, I think I said this last time. I don't fault guys for leaving, but it doesn't change my opinion of the product. And I think the product mm-hmm. is garbage. And I can't think that they want Danny Lee winning. If you notice, none of, none of the top guys are playing well the first two events. I mean, this cannot just, be part of Liv's vision as Charles Howell. I just Danny forgot Lee. the name of the guy that won on the PGA Tour. I mean, what does that say? But there's there's Taylor Moore. There's this whole thing at stake now, where he's he's going to be in position to make all these elevated events. And Zach, I'll I'll argue your point about watered down. You you mentioned you haven't seen a ton of golf on the PGA Tour. You you missed Riviera, you missed the Arnold Palmer Invitational, um, the the Players Championship, where literally the best guys won these events and you know the players wasn't a great tournament but riv was and api was and uh i would i would encourage you to give it a give it a second look with this new structure oh i'm not i'm not not watching golf because of pj tour or live it's just i haven't been watching golf i no, and I, I just both, whichever is on i mean but I, like my, my argument is you mentioned the pj tour is watered down this year i i disagree mm-hmm. i think i think if you have an opportunity to watch I guess I don't know if is is the match play an elevated event. I'm not sure, but it's got all the top guys there, so maybe not this one because it's so unique. But and how um, we don't snicker every time we say elevated event because I mean, why did those happen? I mean, that's cute. 
just so happens that that one just so happens to be just a little bit more than what Liv pays out. That's cute too. That's true. The players. I mean, Liv has certainly finally Rory and everybody that were. And again, I, I don't really have an issue with PGA Tour. The issue that I have was the hip, hypocrisy that that the PGA Tour players were showing when when it came to them saying you're ruining the game, you're ruining the game, you're ruining the game, and then nine months later they're going, oh, well, you know, probably there's a little bit too much bickering between Liv and the PGA Tour. Well, no shit, you're the one that's doing it, Rory. You haven't shut your mouth in nine months. Now you're saying things like, well, maybe it's affecting my game. Well, of course it is. You're, you're, you got your head up the PGA Tour's ass instead of worrying about the game, worrying about guys that don't care about you over there, but 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 who's being divisive about the game and now saying things like, well, everybody's benefited from live golf. Well, no shit. We knew that nine months ago, but you guys are sitting here hating. It, it, that's the stuff that made me mad is the hypocrisy. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt that all of this new structure was a driving force because of live. There's no doubt. Um, and I think most of the guys have, have, have at least admitted that now. Um, by the way, if you if nobody has read, there's a Fire Pit Collective article by Alan Shipnuck about Live over the weekend that's really really interesting about some of the contract stuff with the Live guys and um, you know there's there's some stuff happening. I don't I don't know what the outcome is. Um, I'm 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 so interested to see where this thing is by the end of the year and if there's ever a loophole for some of these guys to to come back to the tour if they wanted to and and how the tour handles that. That's another story for another time, but uh, for time's sake, let's move on to the WGC match play. I guess this is the last um, iteration of the match play. Johnny, do you have do you have um, do you have knowledge or have you read anything why the match play is coming off the schedule next year? They Say. they wanted they wanted to move Houston to the spring, and I think. Mainly NBC that telecasts it doesn't love the coverage on the weekend because it's only a you know a few golfers. I just think it's not if it doesn't get that absolute star power, which there's a very good chance every every year that it won't. Um, I just don't think I don't think NBC loves having to fill all that you know that dead air of them walking from shot to shot. So I just think it. Uh, um, and then one, I think Houston's, um, I don't, and I'm not even sure who sponsors Houston, but I, I think they're wanting to put in a bigger purse and I, I, I'm not sure if it make it an elevated event, but they, they want to become a bigger player. So I think it just, it's kind of naturally that the PGA tour just decided to screw over and if maybe Dell's not going to be a sponsor anymore, but either way, I don't think it's a great idea, but, uh, I, I I'm guessing it's a TV thing. Yeah. It is. It Are you is. Talking uh, about the Houston Open. Talking about yeah, they're going to move Houston Shell. to the week before. Is it still Shell? I, they're going to move. I, I don't know if it still is, but yeah, they're going to move Houston to the week before the Masters. So they'll play okay. San Antonio, and then one other event. Then I think Houston, and then go over to Augusta. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm. I, I'm a little bummed. This is if this is indeed going away permanently because it's. It's although it could be a difficult watch in the weekend, um, because there's so few groups to watch, so many, so few matches to watch. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is pretty fun. It's different. Um, top sixty-four um, 
top 64 in the world, non, non-live players um, are here. I did that for you, Zach, just to, just to kind of dig the knife in a little further. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, it's 16 groups, um, four, four players a group, and they're divided in certain uh, pairings where one through 16 um, are the top seeds, and then uh, the rest of the seeds are shuffled with them. Um, so basically one player comes out of each pod. You move on to the round of 16, um, which starts Saturday morning, and at that point it's, it's just a, a simple knockout um, style from Saturday to Sunday afternoon. Um, Scotty Scheffler won this tournament last year, like he has won most events the last year or so. And um, what we're going to do here is we're going to go through a lightning round of the 16 groups. Pick your pick your guy you like, and then we'll do a brief odds overview with with maybe uh, who's got the value on the board. So a little different. Um, we'll move this quick along, and you give me your 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 who's going to prevail from each group and why and. Uh, here we go. Group one is Scotty Scheffler, Davis Riley, Tom Kim, and Alex Norin. Zach. Scheffler. Johnny. Uh, Scheffler's going 3-0 and in this. He is going to roll, and I would be concerned about Tom Kim maybe in the fall, but not this version of Tom Kim right now. Group 16, this group will play the winner of that previous group. Sunjay M, Maverick McNeely, Tommy Fleetwood, and JT Poston. A true um, mediocrity sandwich, it feels like, in this one. Johnny, who you got? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I want to pick Fleetwood just because of, of the form, but JT Poston's real good. I think uh, um, I kind of trust him winning a couple matches there and coming out of group 16. JT Poston, Zach. Tommy Fleetwood. Yep, give me Fleetwood as well. Ball striking will prevail. He'll make enough putts. I like Fleetwood as well, but Poston's not a bad play either. Group eight, Victor Hovland, Matt Kuchar, Chris Kirk, and Siwoo. Kim, Zach, I think I know where you're going. Chris Kirk. Oh, I was hoping you'd just – I can't believe Kuchar's in this tournament. I really can't. Uh, Kuchar's a good a good match play player. Um, no, he's great and, in this tournament. I can't believe he qualified yeah. for this event. Uh, I mean, Kuchar's home is in the top ten. I've said that for years, and when that's your home, you get invited to tournaments in perpetuity. So, uh, but I'm still he's right, going to <laughs> perpetuity. Take a Kirk. Zach's taking Chris Kirk. Uh, Johnny, who you got? Well, for, first before I, I say Matt Kuchar being in the in the tournament there. Um, he's actually lucky. I heard that Patrick Reed and several other players who were in the top 64 on the live golf tour actually applied to play in the tournament. They actually went to the PGA tour and put in their application that they were going to play because they qualified for it through their, uh, uh, world golf, uh, official world golf rankings merit, and then were then denied. So that's kind of an interesting thing. But with that being said, um, it's going to be Matt Kuchar. He's going to win it. This group, and I think if you get some pretty good odds, something around uh, plus three hundred, I, I think that's a that's a great bet. Hmm. I didn't I didn't see that one coming. I'm taking Chris Kirk as well. I feel like he's overall playing the best. He's getting the ball in the hole the best, and I think he's the best putter in this group. Group nine: Colin Morikawa, Victor Perez, Jason Day, and the system play Adam Svensson. Johnny. You know, I like two guys out of this group here, um, Colin Morikawa and Jason Day. 
Uh, I actually also like system play Adams Vincent, but not in this event here. Um, if I'm if I'm gonna pick, I think I think Morikawa comes out of it. But if I'm gonna look at Jason Day's odds though, and uh, I'm gonna seriously think you seriously consider him. Zach, Jason Day. Hmm. Uh, I'm probably just gonna continue to lose money on this guy. I've already already bet him. Free tournament actually last week, uh, Colin Morikawa. Uh, no reason why, other than I just think he's playing great and this will even out eventually. Um, group number two Don Rom, Ricky Fowler, Billy Horschel, Keith Mitchell. This is a pretty good group. Three guys that are playing really, really good golf. Zach? Best group of the entire tournament, hardest group to pick. Jesus. I need the four names one more time. John Rom, Ricky Fowler, Billy Horschel, and Keith Mitchell. Ricky Fowler. Johnny. Uh, this is actually a stay away from me, but it's it's I think it's gonna be John Rom. Um, but like you said, this is this is a good group here. And I wouldn't wanna I wouldn't want to pay the juice that that John Rom's gonna be, which he'll probably be something around minus one seventy five. And I just think that would be awful value for him. Uh, I'm gonna go. Th- I'm gonna go Keith Mitchell. I think he's playing really good golf, and I think this course is a good setup for him. He can wail at that driver, and uh, hopefully, it's 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 cool enough out where he'll be wearing some of those crispy cashmere sweaters uh, on the weekends. Yes. Yeah. Group 15: Cameron Young, Davis Thompson, Seb Straka, Corey Connors. Johnny. Uh. Cam Young here, um, like him a lot this week, and hopefully get him at plus odds to win this group, but he'll definitely be my pick out of group 15. Cam Young. Sweep it, Cam Young. I had to turn my light on. I was looking very ghostly without the Thank you. Yeah. Um, Group seven, Will Zalatoris, Andrew Putnam, Ryan Fox, and Harris English. English. Zach. Harris English. I knew you were going to pick Zalatoris. Johnny? I haven't enough of Zalatoris in match play, so I, I'd be hesitant to pick him. But um, Ryan Fox is a good DP World Tour player, really good DP World Tour player. And he's one of those guys that, you know, we always get a couple of the Euros that come over. We've had like Victor Perez and uh, Tommy Fleetwood. And, you know, some of those guys that have played over there quite a bit come over and, uh, um, kind of like Ryan Fox, I'm gonna come out of that group. Ryan Fox, I hate I hate this group. I can't. I, I don't like any any one of them. Uh, I'll probably go English as well, but I don't feel good about that one at all. It'll be a stay away for me. Group ten: Tony Finau, Christian Bezaidenu, Kirk Kitayama, and Adrian Marac. Johnny. Finau's tough in. In, in match play because of how far he hits it. But Christian Bazain, who is playing good golf and um, Kitayama won at Arnold Palmer on a real hard golf course. Length is not going to be a thing. I don't think here. So uh, Bazain hoot, which will probably have some pretty tasty odds. I'd probably put a little bit on him. I like Finau, Finau in this. This group, uh, Texas course, um, 
yeah, he seems to do really, really well in Texas. So, yeah, I'm with you. I like Tony Fee now in this group. Feels like he's due for a, for a bigger win to kind of capitalize on his really nice last six months. Uh, we've been through half. Here's the second half. Group four, Patrick Cantley, Nick Taylor, Brian Harmon, K.H. Lee. That's that's a that feels like a mismatch, Zach. Cantley, Johnny. You'd think I'd say Cantley, but hmm. you see my guy Brian Harmon's in yeah, that he's, group. He's he's lingering. Yep. Brian Harmon plus odds. He he on paper he'd be a nightmare match play. Player, just right? he's had, he's had some good success at this event, and you know I think Cantley's obviously the way better player, and I think he's a great match play player. So that's that's kind of not a tough draw for Harmon because you know you're going to have to get in there with a better player. But those two guys, though, um, that's 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 a that's a good group. Yeah, yeah. Harmon hitting every single fairway, putting it to 15 feet and making putts on the end. Yeah, but Cantley to me, uh, he's just. He's a great match play player in the in resident President's Cup, Ryder Cup. Haven't yet seen it totally in this event, but maybe this week. I like him this week. Sam Burns headlines Group 13, Adam Hadwin, Seamus Power, Adam Scott. Uh, Zach, my boy Sam Burns, kind of kind of floating back up here. He's had a couple of decent weeks, finished top 10 last week. Who do you like here? Adam Scott. Adam Scott. Okay. Johnny, Ooh, this is a, this is a tough one here. Um, I, you'd think Sam Burns would be a a, a real good match play player. Um, I haven't. I, I don't think he's really done much in this event, at least that I can think of. At least nothing nothing notable here. Um, I, I would take the 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 good plus odds and go Adam Hadwin. I'm taking Adam Hadwin as well. Did just make thirteen birdies in a round, I think. Yep. I, th- yeah. I think I think he's the guy that I would trust most to make putts, and uh, he's he's been playing pretty solid. Group five: Max Homa, Justin Suh, Hideki, and Kevin Kisner. Match play assassin, Austin Country Club assassin. Johnny, who you got here? This is God, a good one. This is a group of death right here. Oh, this one so? is. Oh, I got another but one for that. But. Is there? I haven't really looked that far ahead. So, but so far, this is this is it here. Um, I, I mean, Kisner just owns this golf course, but he's not that good of a player, or at least hasn't been for the past yeah. year since the last match play. I would, oof, I'd have to go home. Yeah, Max is playing. He's just playing so well. Even the last time we saw him with the players. Zach. Kevin Kisner. <laughs> Sticking to the brand, Kiz. Uh, I'll probably go Max as well, but I don't I wouldn't feel overly strong about it out of this group. This is the group that I think might be sneakily the strongest, just because I wouldn't want to play any one of these guys. Jordan Spieth, uh, Mac Hughes, Shane Lowry, and Taylor Montgomery. Zach. Jeez. Lowry. Shane Lowry, good match play player, good history at the Ryder Cup last or two years ago. Donnie. I I don't like 
this is a this is a tough one here. Wow. Even Taylor Montgomery would the way he puts and how far he hits it, like yeah. it's a good combination. He, he he yeah, he fits that so well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and Mac Matt, the Mac Hughes Jordan Spieth match is just going to be them making forty foot bombs on each other, which I am I'm here for. I mean, I am totally here for. I would I, I'm I'm going to stay away from this group, but I'm going to pick. Uh, um, I'd favor Shane Lowry though. Sweep it. I'd take Lowry as well. I think this is that's going to be a really good one to watch. So group twelve, last four here: Rory, uh, Scott Stallings, Keegan Bradley, Denny McCarthy, Johnny, Denny McCarthy. Best? I just I I can't I can't trust Rory to be emotionally into it for three days with all the the stuff that he's been doing playing playing a heavy schedule here. He's, you know, I don't know. I just don't like it. Keegan with uh, with having to withdraw from Valspar, not sure. And yeah. how, somehow Scott Stallings is in it, um, you know. But Denny McCarthy, though, g- you know, good putter and everything. And I, I just – Best putter on tour. I I, I think that uh, he could uh, he could jump out and get get Rory and, and get you – you know, once you get that point, you know, you just never know. Zach? Is Rory going to come out come out of this group, or is is uh, is he too far off the PJ Tour's ass to win? He's far too far off their ass to to <laughs> even compete with Denny McCarthy this week. So <laughs> I, got, I got Denny McCarthy. I definitely got Denny McCarthy. Uh, I'll I'll take Rory. I'll take Rory here, guys. <laughs> Uh, you're, up, you're up his ass up the PGA Tour's ass too uh, and Rory's ass yes um, okay. <laughs> Terrell Hatton headlines group 14 it's Hatton Ben Griffin uh, Russell Henley Lucas Herbert this feels too easy Zach Terrell Hatton I don't think that's difficult Johnny I, I think you, this is one of the ones that, that is the best bet with Terrell Hatton it just those 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 other three don't and they don't feel like they need to they could they could you know advance uh yep sweep here i love hatton johnny and i bet hatton last week at 40 to 1 uh, i saw today his numbers down his numbers down to 25 already uh and we'll talk about it when we get to the prices but he was he was priced the same last week as aaron wise and aaron wise is he Shot a million at the players, which I can't understand the pricing sometimes. <laughs> um, group six: Xander Shoffley, Cam Davis, Tom Hoagie, and Aaron Wise. Johnny, this could be an interesting group. I just think Xander's too good, and he just is too solid. Um, he'll somehow figure out a way to to squeak through. But I mean, I, I could make the case for Hoagie and Cam Davis um, at this. So I wouldn't like I wouldn't just hammer Shoffley. At, at hit whatever odds that he's going to have to come out of group six. But I think, uh, I, I still think he's going to come out of it. Okay. Zach. Can I hear the four names one more time? Xander, Cam Davis, Tom Hoagie, Aaron Wise. Hoagie. I like Hoagie. I, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm taking I don't hate Tom that. Hoagie. The last time we saw Tom Hoagie, he made like 14 birdies on the weekend at the players. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> he was so. so Unstoppable fucking Tom Hoagie. Uh, group 11, final group, Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick. This this group is, well, I don't want to say it's bad, but 
Matt Fitzpatrick, JJ Spawn, Sahith Tagala, Minwoo Lee. Zach? Minwoo Lee. Yep. Contended at the players. Not a bad pick. Johnny? I can't get over that uh, Tom Hoagie <laughs> unstoppable comment. I'm just going to have to read <laughs> Never. I mean, listen, like two or three years ago, we'd be like, is Tom Hoagie that good? He's really fucking good. Okay. He might, okay. So, Actually, Tom Hoagie might be on the record. Best from 175 in last year. Pretty sure. That whole Aaron Wise is going to make the Ryder Cup. That's not panning out for me. So if I could throw, if I could make it, take a mulligan, it you might gonna, be Tom Hoagie. Switch to Hoagie? Might be. I don't, I don't hate that. I mean, he just, he's got to play for better, longer stretches, but you know. Sure. Hey. But uh, anyways, group yeah. 11, um, I'm eliminating Matt Fitzpatrick. don't like how he's playing. Um, oh, he's playing terrible. Uh, JJ Spawn is whatever. Um, so it's between the, the, the other two. Um, say the, the gala. I mean, I, I've, I've been on him. It's we've been on him. This podcast has been on him for months and months and months and months. So, you know, I think he's going to advance out of that group. Did, have you gotten to the, the full swing episode with him? Zach, you saw it? Yeah, I was going to say that, like, you guys have been the two that have been on him. I really haven't been. But after watching that, I love, like, his comment where he just came and goes, I'm 35th in the world. I'm overrated or something like that or 25th or, yeah, it was funny. But, yes, I I found him to be very, very funny. I liked him a lot. Extremely likable. And his family was awesome. I I loved his dad. And, yeah. I think the one that. The person that lost in that was Brooks and his wife. They looked horrid. Like my favorite, it's my favorite episode. I like that episode though. That was a great. Uh, maybe, episode. but but it made them just. It made her look terrible. Holy shit! Yeah, that was well, terrible. Well, like, you know, yeah, Johnny. Died, we we reviewed episodes one and two, but we haven't we haven't gotten any further in the series. But uh, uh, I my favorite one was the Damon one, Joel Damon. Um, I thought that was extremely. Yeah. He was he won a bunch of points, and uh, I thought Sahith did, did a nice job too. Let's get to the odds real quick, guys. Five more minutes, and let's get out of here. Um, give me one or two guys you already you, you like from the odds. Scotty at eight to one, Rory at eleven, John Rahm at eleven, Cantley at eighteen, Fino at twenty, Homa at twenty, Xander Shoffley, Victor Hovland at twenty five, Hatton, who we mentioned, is now at twenty five, Spieth at twenty five, Zalator is twenty eight. Morikawa, 28, Cam Young, 30, Jason Day, 30, Fitzpatrick, 35, um, and then Sunjay and Sam Burns at 40. Um, I I already mentioned the two guys I bet. I uh, bet Morikawa at 35. He's down to 28, and Haddon at 40, down to 25. Um, Zach, who's who do you like from the board there? Um. I mean, Hatton and Young, I would have rather had Hatton at your number. But uh, for the people that we heard, probably him. Um, Young, uh, uh, his number's not too bad either. Uh, aside from that. Really, and he's got an easy group, too. I mean, yeah, we kind of determined. Easy, well, you know, when we say easy group, that tends to mean that they don't win. <laughs> and then They'll you know, go 0-3. So yeah, so I mean, you know, that's always just kind of quicksand right there to say. So thank you for that. But, uh, you know. We'll see. Uh, We're really button heads in this one. Well, we haven't we haven't we had done the, this we, in a while. We had the distance debate, the live and Rory, and now now yeah, this. We're not done with the live conversation. That's going to be at the end of this. But 
but uh, yeah, that that that's what I would take of the people that you said so far. Okay, Johnny. I don't like betting winners on this because you've got to play Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or two on Saturday and then two on Sunday. So it's just a lot of golf and a bad six hole stretch can take you right out of it. But, uh, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, uh, with, with Tyrrell Hatton, obviously as a, as a good, uh, good, good candidate there. Um, I think Cam Young is going to win this. Um, he's my pick, uh, just, uh, just switch caddies. Uh, I took Webb Simpson's, Old caddy Paul Tesori, who is, oh. uh, I think one of the one of the more phenomenal caddies that are out there. Uh, him and Webb were with uh, with each other for twelve years, so Webb just kind of decided that he needed to move on because he, you know, that golf game is not not doing it. And uh, actually suggested to Cam Young to go ahead and uh, put Tesori on the bag there. And I think that guy is just, you know, we look at a guy. Um, uh, you know what some some guys have done when they switch caddies, and I think that's a big deal. This is only the first week, but you just never know. You get that um, that new newfound you know energy with a different uh, different working partner there. Um, I, I think he's just he's ready and he's ready to win an event. And I think he I I, I like his game for for this golf course, and he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be my guy to win this week. We've seen DJ win here. In the past, uh, at Austin Country Club, we've compared Cam Young's game to DJ like so. I, we, you know, and, and betting the winner, we you kind of got to like them to get out of their group first. We mentioned Cam Young has a has a, a cleaner path to get out, maybe than some of these other guys above him. Um, I like it. I feel like I'm gonna have to. I'm going to have to tail that pick, though, because I don't want to miss out on Cam Young. I don't really have anyone else to speak of. I think if we, if you guys like Shane Lowry, you can get him at 60. Um, you know, I like Keith Mitchell and Ricky Fowler at 60, but they got to get out of John Robb's group. Um, that's that's going to be the difficult part. But I think those guys have good numbers. Ricky's playing great, great golf. That's pretty much all I got. If you, do you guys have anyone else down the board that, that you see? 80 to 1, 100 to 1, anything like that. I mean, JT, I, I, I said, JT Post? I said, JT Post, I said Danny McCarthy is going to come out of that group. I mean, he's at 100 to 1. I mean, just, I think, I think the thing is, is you want to just sprinkle bets on these and you don't want to, you know, I, we've said all year long, don't take Scheffler, don't take Rom, and they seem to be winning and, and just, you know, poo pooing our ideas here. But, this one I think is is especially hard because you your results on how you advance is directly related to another golfer who could be hot that day. You know, somebody goes out and beats John Rahm on third, you know, Thursday the second day after he has the first match, then he's only got a half a point and he's not going to end up making it. So, so you could sprinkle a little bit. Like when I say Cam Young is going to win, I'm not going to put nearly as much as I would on a regular. PGA Tour event there. I want to focus more on um, more on the group stages, and I'll probably live bet it once they have the field. Um, you know, the the field of sixteen there. Then I think it's you're going to get far less odds, but I think you can kind of see the path to to who these guys have to go through. But there's just so much, so much unknown, and and like I said, a, a six hole stretch will will eliminate you. I mean, you're going home if you're not, you know, if you, if you have a slip up against a guy who's playing pretty well. 
So, guys, that's all I got for this. Any any parting thoughts, Zach? Yes, I do. Uh, and this is in all seriousness. This is not an, an LIV versus PGA Tour thing. I, I really do want to say congratulations to Danny Lee because if you remember, <laughs> no, this is this is honest seriousness. If you remember, Danny Lee was one of the all was one of the up and coming rising stars years ago, and then you know he tried to win his major, just kind of like KJ Choi did, and um, he had to go and he had to do his two years of service, which really took his game away. He, really, that was I remember when that was going on. This is all seriousness. I remember when that was going on. You're laughing at me, but I remember when that was going on. I felt really, really bad for him because he was kind of like on the upswing and he was playing really, really well, and then he had to go do his mandatory two years of Korean military service and it really took his game away as it would to any of us so i do think it's kind of cool that that you know he won a tournament and it is not i mean regardless of where he plays or how you feel about that it's you know it's nice to see somebody succeed that that really of no reason or fault for their own they kind of lost their game a little bit i, I was being serious there. i mean i get the whole the liv and the, the but but i did when i saw that he won i He's been close a couple of times on the PGA Tour since he came back, and I do always kind of root for him just for that reason alone. Fair enough. Congrats, Danny Lee. Uh, I, I heard he got really emotional in the uh, the post-round interview, so it obviously meant a lot to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to beat the likes of Peter Uline and uh, Brendan Steele, um, you know, those top players that live. So congratulations, Danny Lee. Good one. Um, Okay, guys, WGC match play, ball rollback. We did it all tonight. Um, Zach, Johnny, thanks for joining, getting through it. Best bets coming, I guess, as early as Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. Best bets for the WGC match play. Um, Gosh, it's been a rough stretch of picks. Um, It was so rough, we didn't even put them up last week, so – uh, we get them up this week, see if we can do better. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, YouTube as well. Next week, coming next week, um, Brian Straley will be uh, will be on to talk about the uh, upcoming Fort Wayne Golf Association schedule and some of the ins and outs of, of uh, our local tour and, and things of that nature. So we'll be excited to talk to Brian. Um, so thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.